0: Hey everyone, I wanted to thank you for listening to another episode of Speed Bumps. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you subscribed on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If you're listening on Spotify, I would really appreciate if you clicked that five-star button, and if you're on Apple, you can click the five-star button and leave a written review if you're so inclined. If you're interested in coming on my show, you can reach out to me at speed.bumps.com podcast on Instagram. When you're driving, speed bumps force you to slow down. Some are big, some are small. Regardless of the size, they can really mess up your car if you go over them too fast. In this go, go, go world, society tends to have a negative view of speed bumps. But in my opinion, they don't have to be a bad thing. We all go through speed bumps in life, such as getting married, a spiritual awakening, having children, changing jobs, a trauma, and more. In this podcast, you will hear the various speed bumps that people have encountered and how those experiences have shaped them into the person they are now. Because every story has speed bumps, and that is what makes life interesting. I wanted to welcome you to another episode of Speed Bumps. And today with me, I have Big Country from Whiskey, Beer, and Conspiracies podcast. And I actually heard him on Ryan Dean's show, Dangerous World. And they were talking about some of the things they were were talking about was uh, Big Country's food allergies as a kid. And given my recent circumstances, uh, I thought it'd be really cool to have a conversation with him, especially since in some ways, I don't want to say he outgrew them. But he realized he could eat certain products if they were from a different country uh, when he thought he was allergic to them. So thank you, Big Country, for coming on. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me. It was really cool that you reached out. I'm, I'm excited to, to talk, have this conversation tonight. And uh, hopefully the people listening can maybe even gain a little bit more insight if they're having some similar issues.
0: Yeah. Before we get into your speed bumps and your story, can you please tell me two things you love about yourself?
1: Um, two things: length and girth. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, so I I would say, and I've called it my superpower. Um, but what I love about myself is that the fact that I uh don't care about a lot of things, and well, let me, I don't lack empathy because my second answer will make more sense. But what I mean by that is is almost nothing bothers me. Gotcha. Like anxiety wise, uh, anything like that. Um, you know, even when my wife and I first got married and we were kind of struggling financially, you know, as a new married couple tends to do, yep. um, you know, we get a bill and my wife's, like, oh, how are we going to pay for that? I'm like, I don't know. Who cares? Like, it, it, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Like they print money every day. I'm sure we'll get some of it at some point and we'll give them that money. We, see, You know? Um, and it was, Like it wasn't, it doesn't stem from anything traumatic or anything like that. I had a fantastic childhood with two loving parents and it was just something that kind of clicked and it's, it happens, uh, like subconsciously for me. And then I don't even realize that maybe these, these are things that I should worry about and it's nothing. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, second thing is, uh, I love the fact that I am a father um it's a great answer it drastically changed who i was uh almost overnight um something uh i know we talked about it on our show like i was i was like i couldn't describe it because this is my first child but my co-hosts have multiple children like he's like something like clicked inside me that did like it felt like it was always there and until i saw my son it wasn't like activated and my co-host was like oh yeah that's like primal stuff but um I, in in my opinion, that's the whole reason I'm even here is to be his dad. So
0: that is probably one of my favorite answers I've heard so far. Yes. Uh, <laughs> like, not gonna lie, we're going on almost fifty episodes. It's probably one of my favorite uh, answers I've heard so far. Sorry to everyone else. Uh, yeah, boo, boo.
1: <laughs> Come up with better material.
0: I uh, know that's just a phenomenal answer, and it's really refreshing because you hear a lot of those answers from like women, but you don't typically hear that type of answer from men of Mm. having that primal instinct turned on. And that's just, I don't know. That's just my favorite answer. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah. And it's, and it's not to discredit anybody that, that maybe hasn't had children and had to experience that. Um, But it's, I think it's only something that you know what we're talking about when you're, you're a parent yourself, you know? Yeah.
2: So
0: the, the way my husband describes things that he if someone has an experience and you're trying to explain it, it's like, if someone's never been on a roller coaster and Mm -hmm. you're trying to explain to them what a roller coaster is, so whatever that event is, whether it's having kids or a trauma or uh, tasting ice cream for the first time, Mm -hmm. like trying to describe some of these events is impossible until you do it.
1: Right. Exactly. Well said. Yeah, for sure.
0: So I know, uh, like I was saying earlier, the thing that, really stood out to me is you had really bad food allergies as a kid right
1: Mm-hmm. very bad
0: in your mid-30s uh mid-30s? yeah 33
1: oh okay. god illuminati numbers I just <laughs> i'll we
0: have to think about this i think i'll be 32 this year
1: because of yeah, my accident
0: I, I forget how old i am
1: <laughs> right well yeah and it's like I always have to do that math, and I'm like, I, guess I was 89. Like, I'm gonna be 33. You know, I gotta verify with my mom, but she's like, yes, yes. this is all you will be. That's
0: awesome. So, what were your food allergies, and did you grow <laughs> out of any of them?
1: Uh, yeah. So I had a, I had a very interesting childhood. Um, so from an early age, as in a baby, uh, my parents discovered that I was anaphylaxis to milk. And they found that out when my mother switched from breast milk to cow's milk. Okay. So I've gone into anaphylaxic shock three times. Uh only one of no two of them I can remember. Okay. Um one probably because the first one was when I was a baby. Yep. Um but um it the severity of the the allergy at that time to milk was I couldn't even touch it. Okay. So that was actually the second time I went into anaphylactic shock. So I knew how allergic to milk I was, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was in kindergarten and um we had a substitute teacher that day. And um I was a real shy kid. I didn't talk a lot and I had a connection with my my teacher. Her name was Mrs. Calvert. I'll know I didn't this was thirty plus, you know, almost thirty years ago, and I still remember this. But so I was a shy guy, and you know, I didn't. I was like, oh, then plus the teacher doesn't know me. She doesn't know that, like, of my special needs. You know. Yeah. Um, and I remember there's a girl sitting behind me, and she had an open carton of milk. And I remember I looked back, and I said, "Don't sp- make sure you don't spill that on me." And she was like, "Oh, okay." She spilt it. Now, she could have been a CIA agent. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> trying to take me out early for all I know. Uh, but I assume it was accidental. Um, and I sat in it for a while until I realized, like, like, damn, my butt cheek's wet. And then I look back and I realize it's the milk. And I already starting to feel stuff. Yep. But I'm too shy to go up to the teacher to tell her, hey, I have to go to the hospital. Yep. Right. Yep. So I start going into shock and they call over the principal the principal calls my mom and my mom's a gangster. She comes in like a bat out of hell in this minivan, grabs me, shoots me down to the hospital. Um, she's having me take my clothes off like in the van. They don't
0: have EpiPens back then, right?
1: They do. Um, but it was like something that you couldn't get to take home with you. Okay. I don't think that okay. was released to the public yet. Okay. So they rushed me into the hospital and it was actually a teaching hospital. So all these doctors come in to be like, and this is called an anaphylactic shock. Um, so they give me Benadryl to counteract with the antihistamine. And then they give me a shot on epinephrine, which is basically just um what, uh what's it called? Adrenaline. Yeah. Essentially. Right. And so then I was in the hospital for a couple of days. My eye swelled shut. It's my right eye. My butt cheek like turned into scales and peeled. Yeah. Like I had hives on the whole right side of my body. So at that time, I couldn't even touch it. Now, the three big allergies I had when I was a kid was milk, mm-hmm. shellfish,
2: mm-hmm.
1: And, um, oh, what was the other one? Add not that. There's three big ones. Okay. So at that time in the nineties, it was hard to find dairy free things. Yeah. My mom had to go shopping at this place called Loma Linda market where they had more off the beaten path stuff. Right. Um, I think they were like a 7th day Adventist community and per their religious requirements, they were to only eat certain things. Okay. So she didn't, you know, she would go there and buy whatever she could find. Um and then I through through my childhood, like I had pneumonia three times. Um, I had pleurisy once, so that was when I was 18. Um, ear infections, sinus infections. I was in the hospital so much that I they knew me on like a first name basis. Yep. And so when I would get sick, right, or wherever would be going on, because I also had environmental a- uh, allergies as well. I had asthma, um, and they had started giving me antibiotics. So I am allergic to all antibiotics, except for three that I know of. So uh, I'm allergic to biaxin, C-chlor, Suprax, sulfa, all penicillins, aug- um, augmentin, um, aspirin, And all of those are anaphylaxic. Now, I say that because the way we found that out is they gave it to me and I start to go into an anaphylaxic shock. So as I kind of get older, um, I think I slowly start exposing myself to um, things that I was allergic to when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, we did the allergy testing back then, which is (laughs) it's almost barbaric what they do, but they put liquefied stuff on your back in like a pattern and they prick you right. Enough to it draw blood. And then they have a chart with circles on it all across the circles. It looks, it looks like I'm doing Illuminati. Someone's going to screen grab that and be like, I knew it. <laughs> um, and if the bubble on your back swell to a certain point and past that, they would determine that you're allergic to it. Um, whether that be very mildly or very severely, so, you know, I get a little older. I start exposing myself to some more things. And, well, I used to be allergic to that, but now I'm eating it and I'm fine. Um, and I, I'm not sure if, if at that time maybe I actually did have an allergy. We were just basing on whatever the allergy test said we never right. touched because we might assume that that could turn into anaphylaxis at some point. So we just avoided all of it. And that was really difficult to do. Um, so my theory on it is because to answer your question in a very long-winded way, um, I have outgrown almost all of them except for milk and antibiotics. Did they, uh, Have they ever
0: done a blood allergy test or just the skin prick test? Because I think
1: I've only had the skin prick and, and I don't know if blood was readily something they would re- suggest at the time I I and then and maybe they did and my mom just said no, no I'm not sure
0: because when my husband went into anaphylaxis and then um I was having I knew what was happening and so I stopped it before it went full blown
1: mm-hmm. when
0: I told them what was happening they're like we're not doing a skin prick if you think it's anaphylaxis we'll only do blood
1: yeah and that and that might be because like in my case for someone with my severity of the al- the allergy to the allergy. Yeah. I couldn't even touch it. Right. So if they prick it into your skin, they're going right. to, they're going to push you into anaphylaxis. Right. So that's probably why they do the blood tests. Now it's less invasive as far. Well, I guess invasive as far as potentially causing an allergen to start
0: less likely for you to go into anaphylaxis by them, just drawing blood and testing it off in a yes. separate place.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, um, I'll, I'll tell a story later that one night my wife almost inadvertently smoked me with <laughs> something that she cooked, but um, um, like so with the God, what was I saying?
0: You were talking. Sorry, you were talking about the skin prick test, and then how you've been starting to expose yourself because oh, anything yeah. that was positive on the test, you just avoided, and but it you was just really hard.
1: it, Right? Yeah. And um, so I had to eat a very clean diet. For a lot of years um and it's it's basically your clean diet now essentially um before I think they were really adding gluten to stuff but so for years of my life, that was my diet, and my theory is is that if I had some type of we'll call it just call it poison in my mm-hmm. body mm-hmm. that reacts a certain way when I eat this food, my body had x amount of years to recover with all of these clean foods. And then avoiding those things that may or may not have reacted with my body. But I cleansed out everything that I could out during those years. And then I would start to eat those things. And I'm like, hey, okay, either I I'm either I've outgrown it mm-hmm. or my body's created some adaptation to it. And possibly it was able to do that once I cleaned everything out with my diet. Now I could be pissing into the wind with that entire theory. I don't know. But um
0: So from what I've read and I am while I have a science background, I am not a medical expert. This is not medical advice. Um, studies have shown that kids can outgrow their food allergies and other allergies. But if you develop them as an adult, it's very difficult, if not impossible, because they don't really understand why adults develop anaphylactic food allergies in the first place.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I And I was kind of thinking about this before too because because when i was younger i had my environmental allergies right so Mm -hmm. certain grasses i had to stay away from and trees and pollen and stuff like that um and of course now in my older years after having outgrown so much of it and then just recently in the past few years really cleaned up our diets i started thinking that you know it really doesn't make sense in my head that i'm allergic to a grass why would i be allergic to a grass right? Or or the yeah. seed. That just doesn't make sense in my brain. And is it possible, which we'll talk about because I know it was part of the story that I told when I went to Ireland. Is it possible that I'm not allergic to the grass? I'm not allergic to the seed. I'm allergic to whatever chemicals that they've mixed with the grass. And as it blooms and it scratches me, I'm allergic to that chemical. I'm allergic to that whatever and that, whatever that may be.
0: Well, and that question right there has been raised by multiple people who when they go to get either the skin prick tests or the blood tests people have been like so let's say it's wheat for example Mm -hmm. is this an organic non-gmo wheat that you're testing me for and the doctors can't answer because Mm -hmm. if it's gmo that's going to be look different if it's sprayed with pesticides it's going to look different so to your point are you reacting to the wheat or are you reacting to the chemicals on the wheat
1: yeah yeah, absolutely. And I and that's kind of where my theory came from with the the dairy products. So to tell that story real quickly, yeah. um when my wife and I after we got married, we waited like a year to until we had like our big honeymoon. We did mm-hmm. like a mini mini one. Um so we went on our honeymoon, and we went to Ireland. And when we were there, I uh linked up with uh one of the inspirations for our show. The mm-hmm. name's Gordo, and he does a show out there in Ireland called Those Conspiracy Guys. He's like one of the biggest shows in the world. Um, and I was like, hey man, you know you're because we had talked for for months and months before yep. that, so we're finally there. And I message him, and I'm like, hey man, you know, if we can grab lunch maybe one of these seven days that we're out here. And he's like, oh man, yeah, I would love to, but he's like, I, I didn't end up making it to America because he was going on a tour. And I was like, no, dude, I'm in Dublin right now. And he's like, oh, f- yeah, for sure we'll go have lunch. <laughs> so we're eating and we're talking and conspiracies and all this stuff and show podcasts. And um, I explained to um, the dairy situation
2: because
1: mm-hmm. we had ordered some food and some dessert and stuff like that. And I was telling him my allergy and this is that. And he was the one that said, uh, are you sure you're allergic to the dairy and not your... And you're not allergic to what they're giving the cows as far as vaccines, medicine, antibiotics, growth food. hormones, yep. right? Food, whatever it is. Yep. And I said, I, that actually makes a lot of sense. Now, the reason I bring that up is because when I was in Ireland, I had Irish butter from a cow. Don't, don't ask me what, what sparked me to have this on vacation across the world. Let's try something that I know I'm anaphylaxis
2: against.
0: Like, I heard you tell that. And in my head, I'm like, because one of my husband's allergies is hazelnuts. And he used to love Ferrero Rocher's.
2: Mm-hmm. And that
0: would be like my husband deciding to go and eat a Ferrero Rocher. I would have killed him.
2: Yeah. I would have right. killed.
0: Like, how did your wife not kill you? <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> it's probably the, some of the one of the main reasons I probably married her for is, um. She's a total sweetheart, but she was actually, she's like, what the fuck? Or dude, we yeah. don't have an EpiPen. We Your doctor's not out here, right? Like, and I was like, oh, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I wasn't even, we weren't even drunk. Like we drank the whole time we were there, but we weren't, I wasn't even drunk. <laughs> so I try it and nothing happens. Well, the way things work, and, and to be honest, America should do this. Like yeah. with as big of an issue that food allergies are becoming especially uh, in, in younger younger kids, now adults that are seeing it. In Ireland, when you order food, on the menu, there is a label at the top, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one is wheat. Two is dairy. Three is fish and shellfish. Four is you know barley and malt, whatever. So when you look at what you're going to order, okay, I want the hamburger, or french fries, da-da-da. And it'll say one, three, and five. Okay. And then you go up to the chart. Oh it's got this. Oh it's got dairy. Oh oh I can't have that. So then you that way you can see what it is that you're eating if you have an allergy to it. Yeah. But they also have a requirement that if any livestock has to have any kind of antibiotic or growth they don't they don't give growth hormones, but an antibiotic their byproducts cannot be used for human consumption. And they're very strict about it. And and I'll say that like the meat out there you could taste what the animal was eating. Like it just tastes way different than our meat here until my wife and I started uh getting our beef that was antibiotic free and no growth hormones and it, it tastes different. I mean especially if you go to like a butcher shop and, and get it from somebody who, you know, killed one that morning or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people have theorized that part of the reason that antibiotic resistance antibiotic resistant bacteria are on the rise is because we feed a lot of our animals, antibiotics is a just in case um, the kids, the kid gets an ear infection and the parents demand an antibiotic just in case mm-hmm. uh, your, your kid gets a sniffles and it's just in case. And, you know, then the antibiotics and the hand soap and all of these different yeah. things can contribute to this. But I feel like it's only recently that people have really considered, hey, maybe all the antibiotics we're giving our animals and then eating. Like, what is that doing to us?
1: Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. And actually, that just happened very recently. Um, Maybe four months ago now, um, my son was kind of getting over a little chest cold that he had. um, And he's never had antibiotics. Well, we were taking a trip at the end of the week to North Carolina where my sister-in-law was getting married. Mm Mm-hmm and we went to see the doctor cuz we just said hey we just want to make sure his nose na- like his nose is good and his mm-hmm. ears look okay and his throat to make sure like that if we go up at a higher altitude in a plane yeah. flight we're not screwing our kid you know yeah and so the doctor was like he looks good um he was teething a little bit at the time and she checked in his ears and she said that it was really um one of them was really inflamed but she said it was flat and all that stuff. So she's like, "I'm going to prescribe uh, an antibiotic just in case." Right. So my wife and I had talked about it very early on. I mean, our son is not vaccinated. Um, mm-hmm. He's had no antibiotics. We delayed the cord cutting. We delayed the bathing till we got home, and um, so he's had a very pure environment so mm-hmm. so far. And we made the decision not to give him antibiotics. What we did was just to ease, you know, anything that was going on there. We went to our local organic store and we got um, olive oil and garlic oil drops. Yeah. Right? Put a few of them in his ear a few times a day, both ears, and it'll just kind of clear up on its own. And sure enough, he—if he had an ear infection, let's just say, it went away on its own, and he never pulls at his ears. So. Um, I feel like we made the right decision because I've pretty much read almost everything that Dr. Thomas Cowan has written on this, and he was a, a big motivator to do more research when we knew we were having our son. Um, because you know we would ask certain things like, like why why do we circumcise yep. boys, right? Yep, like. And uh, or, you know, why do they put antibiotics on their eyes and why do they give them a vitamin K shot? He said he had none of that. And um, so after reading all that literature and doing that research on germ theory versus terrain theory and asking these questions, um, it kind of gave us the the fuel to the uh, fuel to the opposite of fear. About what we were doing for our son. Because I think a lot of parents. Even when you get into like. Should I vaccinate? Should I not vaccinate? Let's just say you do believe in germ theory still. Right? But you're not sure about the efficacy of vaccines. In your head. You're still gambling either way. Either I give my kid his vaccine. And it could potentially fuck him up. Forever. Or. I'm betting that if I don't, that won't happen, but he or she could potentially still get, you know, um, measles, mumps, rubella, typhus, you know, what are typhoid, whatever. Um, You know, so that, that's that fear. You're still in your head gambling, but now once you separate germ theory, you're no longer afraid of things that are on doorknobs waiting to get you. And you feel more motivated that you can make these informed decisions when you have your child, um because it's 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 you know it's up to us as parents to do what's best for our kids, right yeah, but the hard part for me was willingly allowing someone to put a toxin into my child and then hoping that. I'm wrong about the original situation. You know what I mean? Well, Um, and I
0: feel like that's with any situation. If you're educated on the topic, (laughs) if you read about it and you can educate yourself, that fear goes away because you can answer your questions. Mm -hmm. So uh, to take your example of vaccines, if you're afraid your kid is going to get measles, if they don't get the vaccine, have you ever researched uh, the actual fatality rate of measles or, um, the worst case things that you're going to think of with measles? Like what is the actual possibility of those? Do any of those potential complications also exist with the vaccine? Have you read Mm -hmm. an insert? Have you looked at the risks of doing it and not doing it? It's time consuming because it's much easier to just go along with the program with whatever that program is, but taking the time to really question and make sure, because to your point, we're, you know, you're their parents, you want to do what's best for them, mm-hmm. and no one else can make those decisions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I know um we had to call four pediatricians before we finally found one that would see our son because he was unvaccinated. Yeah. Right? Which should blow everyone's mind that a doctor is saying, No, I won't see your child.
0: So for just for the parents that have maybe they did vaccinate and they want to stop or they want to talk to a doctor that can answer their questions without uh, being judged. Uh, and I'll link it in the show notes. There's an Instagram account called Dr. Dr. Green Mom. And on her website, you can go and you can put in your email and she will send you a Google like document of all the doctors in the various states in the U S that are vaccine friendly or like basically don't push vaccines and they're going to answer your questions. So if you're looking for a pediatrician for your kid, that's a really great resource.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We were very fortunate um, with, with the one that we had and, you know, we would ask him the same questions about, you know, circumcision yep. um, vaccinations, things like that. And he's like, well, you know, I'm a doctor, so I'm going to tell you to get them. Um, at the end of the day, he's your kid yes right he's like i can recommend things um and we started asking him about circumcision and he's like well he's like you know uh, uh besides the religious factor of it Yeah. um usually he's he said um now it's more like cosmetic and if a dad is then you'd want your dad or your son to match you know everyone right. matches right. And looks right um but he goes um in the met he said in the midwest it's about 60 40 circumcised versus uncircumcised out West where I'm from, California. He said it's about 50, 50 and, and in Europe, it's almost non-existent that you circumcise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it seems to be uh, by region, uh, you know, the Midwest typically being the Bible belt. Yep. Um. But he was like, again, that's, that's your decision. You know, uh, I'm not going to force you guys to do anything you want. And then it got to the point where, um, you know how they called the call you for your checkups to come in? Yep. 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 Well, after our son was a few months old, they stopped doing that. Yeah. And basically we, we went in there one time just to have his you know, checkup and all that. And, and the doctor was like, listen, guys, he's like, he looks great. He's healthy. Um, I have no concerns since you guys aren't getting the vaccines. He's like, you don't have to come in. For his checkups he's like basically call me if you need me you can have him you can bring him in for a checkup whenever you want you know the height and weight and all that stuff but he's like you really he almost said like he was saying without saying it, he's like you don't need me yeah and your kid's not getting vaccinated so don't bring him in
0: yeah yeah our money makers you're, you're not doing our money makers uh we're more than happy to weigh them and measure them but you know you can do that uh, there's a movie that I've heard a lot about, uh, but I want to go and watch is American Circumcision. Have you seen that? I have not. So it's a guy by the name Brian Murata, and I'm going to get him on my podcast because I heard an interview with him and he was phenomenal. And it was talking about a lot of things you were of how in the U.S. it's a fairly common thing. But mm-hmm. outside, outside of the U.S., unless you're Muslim or Jewish, they don't typically do it. And all of the reasons that doctors in the U.S. say to circumcise, they're not really held up. They don't actually yeah. lower the, the the cases of the STD STDs, or HIV. Yeah,
1: I read that, too. And I was like,
0: uh, I don't
1: like just because you have more skin, you're more likely to get an STD. I don't think that's how it works.
0: That's not how that works. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if you're religious, but God, higher yeah. power, whatever you believe. I don't think I don't believe and I, I don't. Actually, I know it's one of the few things I say I know babies aren't born incorrectly, Mm -hmm. right? They're not deficient in vitamin K. They don't have too much skin. They don't have uh, all these things that we want to fix. Yeah. They're born perfect. And why are we messing with that?
1: Yeah. Yeah absolutely and 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 tip tip my hat to my wife because she wanted to have an all-natural birth plan and she did she went all natural like i i it was weird for me because i'm in the room with like seven other women and watching my wife give birth naturally and they're like bowing to her like she's some goddess like that she's you know diamond in the rough type thing because um with the intervention of modern medicine um, you don't have to feel pain. You don't have to feel this, you know, we can, oh, we just got the baby out. No big deal. Um, and you know, not to say anybody's too vain to do that or anything like that, but, um, but, um, we had multiple doctors come in and explain the benefits of vaccines. We were like, no, not happening, dude. While we are still in the hospital. But, um, what they don't tell you, oh, this is maybe a little nugget of, of information for anybody out there that doesn't know this, the reason that they give you a vitamin K shot, they say it's to stop, help to stop bleeding. If there's bleeding in the baby, help, help clot. Right. Um, They say it's, if there's any damage done during traveling through the birth canal, my son was born nine, six. He was a big kid and he like shimmied out of there. No problem. Right. Yeah. The reason they give the vitamin K shot is for when they, if, and when they botch a circumcision, it clots the baby's blood. And the reason they give it to both genders, because there's only two, uh, is because they need <coughs> they need twice the income and the stories to match. Oh, it's just for possible trauma during the birth canal. Yep. That's all it is. That's all the vitamin K shots for.
0: I have not uh, been afforded the opportunity to be a mom or give birth yet. However, my plan is to do completely natural. That is not to say that... Mm-hmm. I don't think that there are cases where C-sections sure. aren't necessary, because that absolutely is the case. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm so thankful for modern medicine.
2: Yeah. But
0: and I've said this all along, we rely so much on it. Women have yeah. been giving birth since the dawn of time, whenever, however you wanted since to we find it. <laughs> since we got here, since the dawn of time, whatever you wanna whatever your creation belief is in that aspect. Um and it's not, it's a natural process. It's not a condition that requires medical intervention in every single circumstance. So why yeah. to be treated as such?
1: Right. Yeah. The original recommendation for my wife was actually for them to do a circumcision.
0: Or you mean uh, C-section?
1: Yeah. Uh, circumcision. Yeah. C-section. Yeah. <laughs> well, they recommended both actually.
0: Well, yeah. Um,
1: was a, yeah. A C-section. And, and my wife was like, why? And they're like, oh, cause she's she's pretty big. And she's like my husband told me that I was probably going to have a big baby because we were all big in our family. Um, and she's like, no, I'm going to give birth to my child. Uh, prevent, you know, providing there's not some type of emergency where that would need right. to take place. Um, but it's, uh, it was like the weirdest recommendation to hear, like, you know what? We'll just cut them out. You know what I mean? And if you look at the cost of what a C-section is versus just a, regu- a regular vaginal birth. woo mama. Well, and
0: you can schedule a C-section. They don't have to come in at night or on holidays or on weekends. And a lot of the interventions that they do, that then they then say, oh, you need a C-section or your baby's going to die. You wouldn't have need that C section if they kept their hands off you in the first place.
2: Mhm. Yeah,
1: that's correct. That's correct. It's 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 interesting, man, and and um and if I can tell you um the story of why we switched our diet.
0: Yeah, please.
1: So, I was introduced to germ theory versus mm-hmm. terrain theory in probably mm-hmm. 2020. So we were doing research on this is like the height of COVID. Yep. Um, and it was through Dr. Thomas Cowan and we started reading about it. And then terrain theory just made more sense to me. So we started trying to clean up our, our, our diet a little bit more and and things like that. And then some wife gets pregnant Um, and the pregnancy is completely normal. Now, right around, She's like five months pregnant, four months pregnant, I think five months pregnant, second trimester. They're doing scans and the baby looks great, but she's like, I can't see the baby's brain because it's behind the pelvic bone. Mm -hmm. So they want to send her in to do like this other test with like a better machine and they can see. Okay, I wasn't there that day. I was at work. I believe in a creator. And I'm pretty sure he put me at work for a reason and not in that room. So they do the scan. Doctor comes back, tells us that she sees that there's swelling on one of the ventricles in his brain. And we're like, my wife, my wife is like, okay, what's that mean? Mm -hmm. She goes, well, one of three things could happen. One best case scenario Um, It remains the same size it is, and your son has potential learning disabilities in the future. Worst case scenario, um, cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. And best case scenario ever would be it just disappears, Mm -hmm. right? Those are the three possible outcomes. So she tells my wife, she said, unfortunately... Um, we are past the point of an abortion in Kansas. Now, my wife's had a few miscarriages in the past. Um, and we had lost one right after we got married. And it was like the worst. I would, no, I don't wish that on anybody. It's no. the no. worst feeling in the yes. world. Yes. Yes. Which is why abortion bothers me so much. But um, my wife is just distraught. Right? So she tells me that. I come home. And I was like, "This just doesn't make sense because she's had a normal pregnancy, yeah. Baby's heart's been perfect the whole time, and he's moving and kicking and rolling, you know." Yep. So I reach out to um, a buddy of mine we've had on our show. His name's Ryan Alexander. We call him the Health Hooligan, mm-hmm. and um, he's the whole reason we sell longevity on our site and uh, and all these health products. And he's just a guru with what he knows. I tell him the situation. He like doesn't even panic. He's like, oh, okay, here's what you do, right? Uh, Cut gluten out entirely. Take double doses of the longevity, which is basically just it's 90 essential vitamins and minerals that you can't get from food. Okay. And the majority of it is minerals because most vitamins you don't use, you piss out. Um, He goes, do double doses of that and have her take a zinc supplement. And we said, okay. And then we went hardcore. Yep. So we cut out all the gluten. And that takes some time because you got to do a little bit of shopping because not everything that's gluten-free and organic and non-GMO tastes very good. Fair enough. So we had to cut out GMOs, organic. We went organic, all only, non-GMO, gluten-free. We cut out. My wife started cutting out dairy. um, And then we started doing the supplements because I was doing it with her. And then seven, eight months rolls around. They want to have, they want to give her an MRI and they're like, oh, it's safe now that it's in the third trimester. And I was like, no, you just told me that potentially something very bad could happen to my child. And now you want to blast my wife with some radiation. You guys are coming up with swell ideas so far. Yeah, no. So we don't end up doing it. And then they want to do a scan on, on the brain. And, and we decided, No. To do mm-hmm. that, I said, because no matter what happens, my son is my son. Mm-hmm. You can't fix the brain, right? Like, yep. I'm going to stick another picture of it. To do what? To stare right. at it? it right. You're not going to fix it. Right. So we decided whatever was going to happen was going to happen. In our harder hearts, we thought everything was fine, right? But that's yep. also some not great news to get. Fair. So seven, eight months rolls up. We go in to do the another scan with the better machine, but not the, you know, radiation stuff. Mm -hmm. And that same doctor, I made sure I was there this time. She goes, oh, everything looks fine. You're going to have a normal pregnancy. So one of two things could happen. In that situation, we believed either it went away on its Mm -hmm. own magically or there's something to this diet stuff there's something to what we consistently put in our bodies three times a day yeah and we felt that the latter made more sense and we're systematically reaping the benefits of it um i mean i can't the last time i was sick (laughs) my wife got sick too and my son i think we we all got sick within about a week of each other mm-hmm. and we all had the exact same symptoms, but that was the last time my wife and I had been sick for like three years. Yeah. So it doesn't bother us to eat this way anymore because we see there's some kind of benefit that we're getting right. from it.
0: So a um, couple things about, because you just said so many things and I'm like scribbling notes. Yeah. And sorry. Interrupt you as you were <laughs> sorry. Talking. No, no, no. Don't apologize. Um, so third option is ultrasounds can be notoriously unreliable. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been numerous instances where they tell parents just like you that the kid's going to be born disabled in some way. And or even done like an amniocentesis and told parents that their baby's going to be born with down syndrome. And then the baby's born totally healthy. And the response is, oops, we made a mistake oopsies oopsies um so what i would suggest is basically what you guys did to an extent is if a test is offered or a repeat test or any test whether it's a glucose test or any of the ultrasounds is the result of that test going to change what you do during pregnancy Mm -hmm. if the answer is no and it could potentially cause more stress don't do it because the stress on you and that baby, if you're female, is not it, it's it's not worth it, in my opinion, mm-hmm. to have that constant what if until the baby is born. Yeah. The comment from the ultrasound tech of well, I'm sorry we're past the abortion date in Kansas fumes me on so many mm-hmm. levels. Um mm-hmm. when I was born, the hospital told my parents that they could give me up for adoption because I was a very medically sick child. Um, Mm -hmm. I know parents who've been told just because their kid is missing a thumb asked if they wanted an abortion. Mm -hmm. Um, For very similar reasons to you, but many others, it bothers me on so many levels that Mm -hmm. the world, uh, we claim to promote equality and uh, justice for everyone, and all of these things. But if someone's going to be born disabled, nope, you might as well just kill them now because there's going to be a burden to the system, and they can't possibly live a full life or anything or contribute to society. So you might as well just kill them before they're born. Right. You can see me right now. I don't put out the video. I'm like trying hard to. Uh, I can see you. maintain my verbal composure.
1: That's some hooligan shit. Let it out.
0: But like, that's some bullshit. Yeah. That's some bullshit.
1: Well, that's uh, that's why I said, like, because I am the sole provider uh, for my family. And I believe my creator, right? If you don't believe in one, that's okay. Uh, I believe he was like, hey, dude, you need to be at work right now because you don't need to be there because you need to make sure that you don't go to jail for punching that bitch in her face. Because that was one of the most horrendous things I think a doctor has ever said to you know my wife.
0: They wouldn't let my parents take me out of the hospital. Uh, CPS wouldn't let my parents take me out of the hospital. And they made wow. uh, my dad sit down with them because they were convinced my dad was going to abandon my mom and he wasn't going to take care of me. And I was just going to be left on some church doorstep. And so even though my parents had had a few miscarriages before me, they were older, Uh, And my dad's like, I'm not going to abandon my kid. Like, I just want to take my wife and daughter home. Like,
2: right.
0: And they're like, well, we really need to make sure. And he's, I imagine, very similar to what you would have done of swearing up a storm and Mm -hmm. all of these things. Like, what the hell is wrong with you people? Like, I just want my family.
1: Yeah.
0: And. I. Oh,
1: yeah. Let it out. Let it out. Let it out. Baby. I like
0: like it. That is one of the biggest things that irks me
2: Mm -hmm. yeah, because
0: today they you know we're all about disability equality and all this shit but heaven forbid you think a baby might be born disabled
1: right
2: in
0: any way learning or physical
2: Mm -hmm.
0: let's just kill them
1: yeah no it's 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 pretty disgusting it's pretty disturbing to what our uh, medical industry has gotten to and that's based on societal trends right um you know with With that being said to my wife, right, I could imagine how many women go in there that are still within that window, yep, and are told that,
0: well, this is an option. It's either Sweden or Switzerland. I think it's a country that begins with an S. I'm ninety eight percent sure about that. Mm -hmm. All women are offered Down syndrome screening, and they this country touts themselves as having the lowest rates of Down syndrome in the world. Well, that's because every woman is offered it. And even though the test isn't highly accurate, if it comes Mm -hmm. back positive, they push abortion. So, yeah. Why do you have the lowest rates of Down syndrome in the world? Because you kill anyone who could possibly do it, whether or not the test is accurate or not.
1: Yeah. That's a
0: really fucked up thing to be proud of.
1: Yeah. And just so everyone knows, my son was born totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. Totally fine. He's going to be two um, in 12 days. Yeah. So he's a little, he's not a little guy. He's huge. But um, I think the only thing that he might be a little bit slow on is like his speech. He's only said a few words here and there, Um, but everything else he was ahead of schedule on. So.
0: But even if I'm guessing you guys didn't wear masks, but (coughs) yeah, but if he wasn't around a ton of people, who are showing him the mouth movements and the letter sounds and things like that. Like it's really common for that age bracket right now to have mm-hmm. speech delays simply because of the masks. And we're just going yeah. into all sorts of controversial topics right now. And I, I love know, it. Right? All the trigger words, yeah. all the trigger words.
1: Oh yeah. I love it. Yeah, no. Um, And it's, 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 it's a little bit harder for us because uh, we don't have family out here. Um, and, and I'm originally from California. I kind of saw the writing on the wall and I told my wife and I said, uh, you know, we're going to have a family, but uh, we are not raising our children in the state. So so we're going to pick one and we're going to go to it. Um, and it's been greatly beneficial for the both of us. Um, and we'll never go back to California. We do miss our families, of course. We love seeing them. But our son doesn't have a lot of family to see out here. Yeah. So he's only seeing mom and dad move lips. And when our friends come over, you know, and things like that. But he, he babbles even more when we take him to go, like, play at kids' playgrounds yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And then when we're talking to him, it's like, I swear to God he knows what we're saying because he'll look at us. And we're talking to him, and then he's like, mm-hmm. And he walks over here, and I'm like, I think you know what I'm saying, you little jerk. But Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's
0: like when you're learning a language, you can typically, a foreign language, you can typically understand more than you can speak.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's funny. That's funny because I speak German. So, um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, it's nothing that's concerned us, you know, and, and really we have this book and I, and I've mentioned it before that Thomas Cowan wrote with, um, another, uh, doctor about, um, it's like a child nourishing book from like pre-birth to Is it nourishing traditions. Yeah, Nourishing Traditions. Yeah. Sally, is it Sally Fields, I think Sally it is.
0: Fallon, yeah.
1: Sally Fallon, Sally Fallon, Sally Fields. Sally Fallon <laughs> and Tom, yeah, Tom McGowan. Um, but any kind of ailments that might have popped up with him. We looked, we turned, boom, let's do this, let's try that. Um, And once you kind of, again, suck that energy out of germ theory, like, we're not even afraid of that kind of stuff anymore because we just don't believe that that's how it operates.
0: So... Some of my listeners know this. You don't know yet. Mm -hmm. So I went to school. I have a bachelor's in cellular and molecular biology, a master's in infectious diseases and microbiology. And my graduate thesis was to make vaccines for bioweapons.
1: Whoa. I'm just an electrician.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Uh,
0: uh, Listen, I wish I didn't have all that debt. I just have some really long titles.
2: Right.
0: (laughs) So that being said, I've done a complete 180 on vaccines totally on the same page as you I I had a whole Instagram post basically apologizing for what I used to do um but and people a lot of people ask me like well germ theory or terrain theory and for those who don't know basically the easiest way to explain it is germ theory is was it you clean the tank right the, the goldfish analogy
1: um yeah, you clean the tank, it cleans the body.
0: Yeah, so so that's terrain theory. That's terrain theory. So if you have a clean tank, then the fish will be healthy. Whereas germ theory is just fix the fish. Yeah. So a lot of people want to know where I stand on this. And my answer to you is, is I'm in the middle. Mm-hmm. Just, so I definitely think the amount of toxins in our world affects our bodies. Yeah. But I'm also not... Uh totally ignoring that so i'm like in this sure gray zone or this middle zone and in many aspects of my life labels and boxes don't work well for me right right you, you try to i'm conservative in some aspects but i'm liberal in others
1: yeah for sure
0: so uh you have referring i don't do germ theory and for the most part there's parts of it that i'm still working on and processing and seeking alternative sources like i did with vaccines Mm -hmm. but there's other things that i'm like i can't throw the baby out with the bathwater.
1: sure nobody puts baby in the corner (laughs) that's my favorite
0: movie it's my favorite movie
1: (laughs) yeah no i hear what you're saying and um for for us it was more of like well when we started eating healthy we started feeling better yeah okay so we're we're cleaning our terrain right
0: yep boosting our immune system Right, having all things that. work at an optimal level.
1: So then, of course, myself being a tinfoil hat wearing crazy conspiracy guy, I'm like, let's just clean everything that we possibly can, right? So that's you know HEPA filters, water filters, water filters in the showers, like shower head filters. Yep. Um, we switch detergents, we switched dish soaps, we um don't use chemicals to clean the house. Yep. Uh, we, uh, we use chemicals to clean the toilet. Um. Uh, but it, I haven't used a body wash in three years now. Four years, we use these special cloths that we wear. Sometimes we'll do a, a soap down with stuff that's, you know, doesn't have the phylogens or path whatever they are. Yeah, you yeah. know, all that stuff. Um, so we systematically started cleaning ourselves and our environment from the inside, then the outside. Yeah. And then I mean, we even took it a step further. Like nothing in my house um, is using Wi-Fi except for I think our phones when we're not. Using data, right? Nice. I hardwired everything. Nice. Um, and one, it's a better connection, and two, it turns off that that radio wave that's constantly surrounding you. Um, and that again came from some some information that we were were given by Ryan Alexander with how much a cell phone scrambles your body, like the the your your center of gravity of your body is thrown off just by you having your phone in your pocket. And there's this balance test that you can do if you stand on one foot and you put your arms to your side and let your friend kind of try to pull you down by your wrist and you just got to fight it back. Do that with a cell phone in your pocket and then do it without. And it's almost night and day. They can't even pull you over most of the time. And then as soon as you put your cell phone in your pocket, they'll, they'll, they'll pull you right down. Interesting. And so, you know, there was a book written, um, Years back, it was called The Invisible Rainbow. And it talks yep. about the frequencies around us, basically, and how it would seem pandemics would spike during some type of electromagnification of the Earth, whatever it may be, you know, cell phone towers, or first radio towers, or yep.
2: first microwaves, power grid, like that. microwaves. Yep.
1: Yeah. And so we thought that was really interesting. And I said, well, I mean, a wired connection is better. It takes a little bit more time. But if I can at least have my home... Cause I can't control the outside world. You know, you drive right. by cell phone towers every 10 seconds and everyone has a phone in their pocket, you know? So cause we're here a lot of the time anyway. So if I can control this environment and build up what's inside of me, when I am exposed to those things, my body will absorb it, you know, for a time being. And then usually, but it doesn't happen often. Cause I think we do a really good job. We can always do better of cleaning our bodies and our terrain. Um, but my body's had enough toxins and it's purge time and that's usually when you get sick um and that whole thing just makes more sense to me than you know bacteria or um, the bacteria is a real thing because it's a living organism but a virus lurking on a doorknob somewhere you know and 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 maybe there's something to that i mean i'm dude i'm just an electrician that has a conspiracy podcast but um with the stuff that i've read and researched it makes more sense and um, I know the whole story about Lee Pasteur. Um, I can't drink milk, so they're like, "You should drink raw milk." I'm like, "Yeah, but I still won't."
0: Yeah. Um, Can you do goat's milk? No. Interesting. Yeah. So, so the reason I ask is that goat's milk is most similar to human milk.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, have you tried camel's milk? Mm-mm. So some people Never say tried
1: bulls' milk either.
0: so but no seriously camel's milk has been uh touted as in some circles i am not making this claim y'all don't come after me as a cure for autism
1: Mm, okay
0: so y'all can go research that uh it's just something that i've heard not saying it's true or false however it is extremely interesting
1: yeah yeah, it is. It's you know, I, I'll say this too, like, and not to shit on dairy, because I think dairy is important and and you definitely need the animal fat. They what they tell mm-hmm. you a lot, correct me if I'm wrong because you're from the medical world, that um a lot of animal fats and salt are like stay away from their bad for you.
0: Yeah. So first just could you say, Well, I'm just an electrician and <laughs> I I don't care if someone dropped out of high school everyone if you can read and think for yourself i i don't care if you have qualifications after your name or not mm-hmm. um i am not better than anyone else now I, in regards to animal fats and things like that looking at the work of weston a price uh definitely um salt and animal fats is demonized mm-hmm. and we need those things yeah. so raw milk definitely has a lot of benefits but if you can't drink dairy, I'm not going to tell you to go drink like, <laughs> like that, right. that's just stupid. Um, yeah. But if you want probiotics, you know, try fermented foods, try water kefir, try things like that. Yeah. Um. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. I, I mean, and that makes a lot of sense because the the first thing they you know, they tell you: animal fats, salt. Stay away from those. Yep. <laughs> to to learn the importance of salt for one, and then animal fats of two, of course but i find it also interesting that in the in the western world um oh well i guess pretty much all all of no probably just the west mainly the western world um that we are one of the very few anim- mammals say animals mammals that drinks the milk of a different mammal now animals do that too but i think they do it out of necessity for survival not because I'm a, I'm, I'm a Fox and I'm thirsty. So I'm going to go drink off that cow's udder. Um, Now, not to, not to say that that's bad. Mm-hmm. I just find it, I just find it kind of interesting.
0: So, and I've heard this argument a lot, whether it's from vegans or vegetarians or whatever is, is that, is that argument right there. And the part that I think about is while what you said is true, We are more in some ways intellectually developed than animals. Mm
2: -hmm. If
0: you animals typically see each other as predators.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: They're they're not just gonna go up to your point and a fox isn't gonna go, or even a cat is gonna go drink from a cow otter. However, if you have a barn cat and you squirt the milk at the cat, it's gonna drink the milk. Right. So I think it's just a process of, we have the ability to where other animals don't and we, but if you look at like Alaskans or the Inuits, right. They don't have dairy cows, Mm -hmm. but their animal fats come from fish and other things like that. So I also think not that we can do it anymore because we're such a melting pot in the, Place, but eating how your ancestors ate Mm -hmm. is really important. Mm -hmm. And so, for some people, people their ancestors they didn't have dairy cows. Mm -hmm. For some people, that is they lived off dairy cows and potatoes, right? Or or goats and potatoes, or whatever that was. So, I really think eating how your ancestors ate is important. It's not as easy as everyone's ancestors were the same because they're not
1: right. Right, yeah. I mean, there's a reason that you're not supposed to eat like year-round fruits and vegetables. There's certain vegetables during the certain time of the year for your region, and that's that's what your ancestors would eat. Right. Um, But yeah, it's it's kind of like watching it. I don't know if you've ever watched that show, um, alone, like alone in Alaska, and they did a couple of those. It's basically like Survivor, but they're actually by themselves, and they have to survive for a certain amount of days, and usually it's in the Arctic. Um. And you'd see they'd make a bow and then they'd make their campfire and they'd learn. Well, I learned that if you pack, you know, this mud with this stick, it's a good insulator and all these things. Right. And they're doing this to win a competition because of all the skills that they've learned. But like this was daily lives not that long ago for our right. ancestors. And I just don't necessarily believe that like, like our, our vaccine, like when I was a kid, my vaccine schedule was like 16, I think, something mm-hmm. like that. Like the number now is insane.
0: Yes, in the seventies.
1: Yeah, you'd have to convince me that somehow we've gotten sicker, like like the the pathogens and the viruses and the bacteria have gotten stronger even with all the advancements of technology and all these things, or have we reverted our terrain internally, externally, for poisons and chemicals and year round fruits and vegetables and toxic cleaners and all these things and yeah. and now our system is flipping on us.
0: Well, I know what I'm about to list are some viruses and you don't uh, subscribe to that, but just hear me out for a second. Mm-hmm. So if you got measles or chicken pox natural,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you actually have lower rates of cancer. Yeah, You can go look this up on PubMed. Um, it's not some crazy conspiracy theory. So those infections as a child actually proved to be beneficial later on. Yeah, And everyone's like, oh, well, shingles is a thing now. Well, yeah shingles is a thing because everyone, when they were a kid used to get chicken pox and then the parents. And as you got older would constantly be around this low level amount of chicken pox. So you're constantly getting naturally boosted.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, like a natural titer test.
0: Exactly. And now chicken pox naturally doesn't exist. I had chicken pox naturally, but I'm not getting those, uh, natural boosters mm-hmm. so i would not be surprised as an adult if i end up getting the shingles right because i'm not constantly getting those boosters and i'm yep. not saying go get a shingles vaccine that's not what i'm saying but that's what causes it shingles mm-hmm. weren't a problem until we got rid of chicken pox right and when we got rid of chicken pox then we were able to develop not we pharma was able to develop another vaccine to make more money
1: right and And, just to clarify what I mean on as far as like viruses and stuff like that, I do believe in viruses, and I do believe that they exist, but I believe that all viruses are inside of us, okay, and depending on your terrain, your body, your DNA all those things depends on whether or not viruses are released and which ones are released to you um so as an example of that would be um why is it that somebody smokes for?" 40 years dies of an old age, never had problems with lung cancer. then you have somebody who smokes for three years, gets cancer in four, dies in five, right? Is, are they, are they luckier? No, I would say that their terrain, their DNA, whatever's going on with them couldn't outlast what the other person did for whatever reason.
0: Well, and I think that, and I feel like this is where, a lot of, um, epidemiological studies really fall short is because you can't have two people live the exact same life. And even if they do, and they eat the exact same foods and they breathe the same air and drink the same water, they also have different DNA. Yeah. So trying to isolate in most cases, what health factor causes something is really, really hard. And heck, it could be the fact that the person who smoked for 40 years wanted to roll their own cigarettes, Mm -hmm. So they didn't have as many chemicals in their cigarettes. Right. And it was just straight tobacco, which in some cases actually has been shown to be protective in the lungs. Yeah. So like that's a total possibility too. And Mm -hmm. that's these things that those little nuances. That these big broad papers try and just overlook, but everyone is so, so different is going to respond differently.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where, since we've been kind of doing more research on this, you know, and, and trying to trying our best to clean up our environments, we started wondering, especially during COVID, that this is going to sound really weird, right? Really weird, uh, kind of a little little let's, conspiratorial.
0: I'm here for it. Let's go.
1: But I think I think people like I think people have this call it human Wi-Fi. Okay, it's like an aura that surrounds your body, each individual. Maybe it goes out an arm's length, maybe a little further, right?
0: Yeah. It's actually called your toroidal field and it can go up so to six like feet.
1: Three... It's six okay, feet. Six feet. So
0: that six feet of social distance that they wanted was, us to going. get rid of during COVID, it yeah. was interfering with that. That's, yeah. where
1: I, that's where I was going with that. Because it's weird to me that like females, for example, you guys hang out for a couple of days and somehow you're linked up on a sink. And I'm like... What do you mean you guys are linking up? That's so weird. And then I started thinking about well, that human Wi-Fi thing. So when your body starts excreting these toxins that it has, I I've I've come to the realization, and, and again, this is just me going off of information that's been available to me. I'm not a doctor. But I believe because of that turtle field, right? That if I'm shedding, my wife might start shedding. If my wife starts shedding, my son might start, start shitting, right?
0: Okay.
1: And I, I, I'm i basing that off of it that time I told you about when we were sick about a year yeah. ago, whatever it was, right? My parents were in town. They drove out to see us. We were all sick as a dog. Mm-hmm. And then my parents left, and they didn't get sick. I'm like, well, if there's a contagion factor here, either they didn't catch it, or, you know, they just got lucky or whatever science would say, or... At that time, their bodies did not have enough toxins to be shed. So their, their toroidal field linked up with ours and said, Oh, it's shedding time, but we don't have anything to shed. So we're good. And I, I mean, again, this, that's going to sound weird. Right. But I was like, how come they didn't get sick?
0: I mean, the science answer would be you guys were still healing and you were just past the contagious period. Right. Um, but the thought of toroidal fields influencing each other, is, to me, isn't that far-fetched. Mm-hmm. Um, you can feel when someone's happy. You can feel when someone's sad or nervous or anxious.
1: When someone's uh, looking at you.
0: When someone's looking at you. Um, if you've walked into the hospital room or a room of someone who's on their deathbed, you can feel that. Oh yeah. You you can feel that. And even if no one else is in the room. It's I'm not talking about sadness or grief. It is a feeling that uh kind of like that roller coaster analogy. You're not going to I can't describe it to you, yeah. but if you've experienced it, you know exactly right. what I'm talking about. Right. Um So it's not that far-fetched to me. Can I prove it? No. Right. But I Like I said earlier, there are very few things I claim to know. Mm -hmm. Most everything else I have an open mind about. And I'm going to listen to theories on. Mm -hmm. Because if I close my mind to something, to me, that makes me ignorant and stupid. Sure. So if I'm able to have open conversations, even if I totally disagree with the person, I can still learn something from them.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, It's really interesting that we've, we've grown into such a tribal... A community in that way especially in this day and age of, of politics and all that stuff like we we're, we're indoctrinated enough to realize that we have differences but we're not indoctrinated enough to just wildly accept everyone's differences a- yeah. and I mean that in the sense of like okay I said earlier on the show I made it shouldn't even be a joke that I'm making a joke but when I said there's only two genders right. now if you want to believe that there's a quintillion that's fine. You you absolutely can. And that's what this country's all about. But don't call me a bad person for saying no. I think there's two, and in my world, I'm going to operate as there is two. Right. Um and it 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 became the same way of like vaccinated versus unvaccinated, right? Yes. Not just with COVID, but even vaccinating children. Yes. Right? It it it's it if if you believe that it works the way that you think it does, you should have no problem with me not vaccinating my son. Or not getting the COVID vaccine.
0: See. And as someone who used to call. Anti-vaxxers crazy conspiracy theorists. We I, are. Uh, I, I, I was that person. Okay, um, I thought that they were responsible. And that they didn't know. What they were talking about. And they, they were uneducated. And notice all the past tense here people. Please don't get mad at me. Um,
2: mm-hmm. All of
0: these things. And. Because that is what. I was indoctrinated to believe and I was indoctrinated so much that the thought of asking the question of why they believed or why they came to that conclusion was never allowed. Right. You weren't allowed to ask questions. Mm -hmm. If you asked questions, you were stepping outside their box and they didn't like it when you stepped outside their box.
1: Right. Right, absolutely, and and this is the interesting thing about um, vaccines is I, I truly believe that that vaccines played a part, not entirely, but played a part in my allergies for, in my early childhood, mm-hmm. right? Amongst other things, probably you know the, the environment at the time. I mean, nineties was dope, and it was a little different, but um, it, it's an accumulation of a lot of those things, right?
0: I mean, they also gave that pink bubblegum gum antibi- uh, antibiotic out like candy.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I remember, like, being in the 90s, like, I remember the Gardasil commercial as a kid. I remember that commercial. And how yep. many chicks did that fuck up? Me. And they're giving it again. Yep. They just rebranded it
0: because yeah. Gardasil had a lawsuit, so they just rebranded it as the HPV vaccine. And now you can get it for boys, too, as young as 10, but all the way up into your 30s and 40s, when originally yep. it was meant for girls only starting at age 12.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. I remember it then. And I remember the lawsuit. And I remember what happened. And they're rebranding it, like you said, and coming back out. And that's crazy to me. But fun fact for everybody. It's a fun fact, I guess. Both my wife and I are HPV positive. She is. So that means I am. Right. Unless I'm resistant to it in some way.
0: But so she was before you got married. Uh-huh. And you were negative before you got married. So now you're both positive. I, I,
1: I don't know if I, I don't, I was never tested for HPV, but I would okay. assume since okay. we've consummated that we've, I would guess. Right.
0: Well, And also uh, there's multiple strains of it. strains.
1: Right. Well, cause every time she goes to get a pap smear, which she doesn't do them anymore. Um,
0: yeah, I stopped that. <laughs>
1: or, or a blood test, or whatever it may be. They yeah, say, oh, your paps came back at racket. like he, she thought she like the nurse thought she was giving someone their death sentence, and my wife's like, "Yes, I know." And they're like, "When do you want to start treatment?" She's like, "Uh, never. I don't want to start treatment for anything." And what's very interesting, and this kind of plays a little bit into you know terrain theory and germ theory, that um when the first time we had Ryan Alexander on our show, he was talking about this, and he said. There's a very good chance, and there was four of us at the time, that if the four of us went and had a test, I would say three out of four of us would test positive for the antibodies of genital herpes. Now, that does not mean that you will ever have an outbreak in your life. And what's interesting is a lot of cases that we see, like HPV, uh, uh, different types of STDs, AIDS is a big one, that the sooner you start treatment the sooner you die. Yeah.
2: Now including that's not, cancer,
1: yeah. Well, it, I think it's like, uh, 90% of people after chemo die within five years, um, even in remission. But that's not to say that's every case. Right? right. But he was alluding to Freddie Mercury's doctors killed Freddie Mercury. Right. Freddie Mercury is positive for HIV. He goes in, he starts treatment, he gets worse and worse and worse and he dies. Um, I think they were given uh, Remdesivir or whatever they give them. Um, I forget what it was during that time. But then you have someone like Magic Johnson. Same virus started going to the doctor and then he flipped and went holistically, stopped going to the doctor. And he's as good as he was then. Um, now. Unique to DNA, possibly. Right. Um, unique to their environment. Uh, You know, I maybe the 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 diet helped too. I'm mean, I'm sure Freddie Mercury wasn't you know living the cleanest of lives, but
0: well, and here's something that I want people to understand: there's human immunodeficiency virus HIV, which can cause AIDS, autoimmunodeficiency syndrome. Now, what most people don't know is you can get AIDS acquired immunodeficiency syndrome from other things Mm -hmm. you can develop it from other things and has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with hiv it is they're commonly synonymous and put together but i've heard of people developing aids after um certain vaccines including the covid one Mm -hmm. i've heard of people developing aids um After cancer treatments and chemo. Because it basically means your immune system is crashing. Yeah. It's an immunodeficiency disease. And any autoimmune disease is similar to AIDS. Mm -hmm. But we don't say AIDS because AIDS is supposedly a dirty word.
1: AIDS, 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 AIDS. But
0: that's all it is. Yeah. But nobody tells you that. Mm -hmm. So why is your immune system crashing in the first place? Right. Right. Why is it? Why is it attacking itself? You're not meant Mm -hmm. to attack yourself.
1: Right. Exactly. And I I mean, I would say the same thing about my theory with uh, vaccines and accumulation of everything else caused my allergies. Like that was my um, everything else. Plus that was my vaccine injury. Right. I know they want to link autism to vaccines. I think that's just a part of it. I don't think it's solely just the vaccine, because what do you say about the kids that get vaccinated and don't have autism? Right. It's the same thing the other way around. Agreed. Um, I would say it's probably an accumulation of other things. The mother's terrain when you're in there. How were you born? Did you get vaccinated? Did you get antibiotics?
0: Did your mom Uh, get antibiotics for group B strep? Did she? Like, There's so many different factors. And that goes exactly back to those epidemiological studies that we try and say animal fat is the reason you have high cholesterol. Right. Well, wait a minute. That's not true. Mm-hmm. And trying to pinpoint the one thing that applies to everybody in the world, yeah, doesn't work,
2: right. whatever
0: that thing is, it doesn't work
1: right, absolutely. and I mean, you know to remember that what they call it they they say that they're practicing medicine, right right that's all they're doing, just practicing medicine and And for those that don't know, I think the number three killer of Americans is medical malpractice um, that's number
0: one
1: I think number one is heart disease which okay. uh, I think it's heart disease. And then number two is diabetes or obesity or smoking, something okay. like that. But either number three, number one, your top three, you're getting a medal yeah, either yeah, way. Yeah. Um, but it's like in, so in 2016, I was in a motorcycle accident and I broke um, both my orbitals, my nose and both my top mandible. I basically like pushed my face in hmm. and had to have surgery obviously pulled my face out um they trached me because they had to go the the doctor went in through my mouth it's weird he like cut open the top of my gum yep and then he went into my
0: yeah lifted yeah
1: it looked like a mortal combat scene um but after that i was in the hospital i developed an infection in the incision yep um i developed thrush in the hospital Um, So I had to have a different antibiotic for that. And uh, back to anaphylaxia real quick, I wanted to go that route because I know you said you and your husband are this way. And I kind of wanted to explain it to, to the people that, you know, obviously have heard that, but they don't know what it's like. So I went, I was in the hospital for a week, went home for a week, developed the infection, went back for a week of intravenous IVs. And at that point, I was just like, I was kind of depressed. I want to go home. I'm in pain. Like, why do I have to just, I'm literally just sitting there for seven days on an IV. That's it. Yeah. Right. So the doctor was like, well, if you develop an infection and it goes gangrenous in those plates, I got to open you back up and take them all out and redo it again. I was like, okay, I'll go to the hospital. So I developed thrush that week. They get rid of it. Um, But they're trying to figure out what antibiotic to give me. So they have to culture it and wait to see what antibiotic they could use for the infection. And they were like, "Um, we're just going to give you penicillin. And I said, no, you're not. And this is not a joke. I said, I'm anaphylaxic to penicillin. She goes, okay. So she goes and gets the doctor. Doctor comes back in and he said, we don't know what to give you at this point for the infection. We want to start treating it now but we just want to give you a, a a antibiotic that covers a lot. And I said, okay, give me erythromycin, because that's what I know I can have. Yep.
2: And
1: he goes, we don't know if that would work. It's probably not going to work. We want to give you penicillin. I was like, dude, I'm anaphylaxic. Yeah. And he said, how anaphylaxic?
0: Yep, I've been asked that.
1: And I said, are you <laughs> dumb? What do you mean, how anaphylaxic? For anybody that's never been in an anaphylaxic shock, uh... let me just explain to you what that is without going too broad on it you're dying very slowly you're dying that's what's happening your air your esophagus is closing your airway is closing you could have tongue swelling which could cause choking um you could have vision loss uh all these things right you're you dying can have vomiting, slowly.
0: you can have diarrhea you can have uh all brain all, all, everything at once yeah.
1: right you could you could seizure from what's happening um, and what's scary about it is, generally speaking, it's Benadryl, like medical-grade Benadryl, mm-hmm. in your ass, and then a shot of EpiPen, adrenaline, right? Yeah. But which there is the is same no, stuff
0: they give you if your heart stops.
1: Right. Which there is no guarantee that that will work. Yep. It works a lot, but it's not like, for sure when we give you this, this will save your life. Yep. So it's scary shit. So I really feel for you and your husband having experienced that, especially at an adult age. It's scary Um, for him to ask me that. I was like, D- dude, if if you give me that, I have to be right where I am in the hospital. If you give me that.
0: So the first thing I knew I was anaphylactic to was gadolinium or an MRI contrast. Dye.
1: Yeah, I had done.
0: And I had a delayed reaction to it. Because mm-hmm. I was allergic to something else. So they gave me a steroid, a Benadryl, and something else prior. Because I was allergic to codeine. And they were worried about the reaction. Because the MRI was at night, it delayed it until I was awake for me to have the anaphylactic response. Yeah. Later on, for my heart, and then something else, they wanted to do another MRI with a contrast. And they asked me that exact question. Well, how anaphylactic are you? And I'm like, I had a response with pre-medication. Oh, it, it, it's that bad? And yeah. I'm like, yes. Like, well, we really don't have another way to do the test. I was like, then I guess you're not doing it. Right. Like, I don't know what to tell you. We're not. No, no. Yeah. N-O, period. That's right.
1: it. Yeah. Yeah, they're just uh to I don't know. I mean the medical industry, I, I I no longer trust doctors, and that's not to say there's bad doc or all doctors are bad. That's that's a dumb fallacy. Uh of course there's good people out there that, that will listen and do the things that, that you would want them to do, hopefully, for you. Um uh and that's not to say that we don't go to the doctor. Sometimes we do, right? Um, but if we can treat it at home. Same. The way that our ancestors did. I'm gonna try that first right Same. and and um, so far we've been fairly successful um, but um, yeah that the anaphylaxia is is, is a scary one and uh, that I don't know how much longer you have I,
0: I, I'm good my my husband ended up being allergic to codfish and we didn't know mm-hmm. and the only reason because at the time while I've experienced anaphylaxis it wasn't to food so I didn't carry an EpiPen he had a reaction I knew what was happening because I had experienced anaphylaxis like full Mm -hmm. blown um, Mm -hmm. anaphylaxis and going back to your kindergarten story for a second of you Mm -hmm. were too shy to say something
1: Yeah.
0: um, I was in college I was going to chem class I raised my hand and I asked like a dumbass what an anaphylactic response might look like, and if the hives on my chest could be it. And I remember pulling my sweatshirt away from my neck, and I'm like, like this. And his eyes get big. And he's like, Yeah, do you want do you want me to call nine one one? I was like, No, I'm just gonna drive myself to the campus clinic. Well, my dumb ass walks like a quarter of a mile to my car, half mile to my car, in October in on the west side of Michigan, so it's cold, right? And then get in my car and drive the mile and a half to the campus clinic. And at this point, I'm on the phone with my mom going (gasps) and I get into the campus clinic and I'm from the Midwest. And it's rude to, you know, you're supposed to wait in line. Someone's in front of you. So I did. (laughs) And they only stopped because I couldn't breathe. And I'm like, and all I could get out was anaphylaxis. And they start shoving, you know, like you said, the benadryl and the epinephrine. And it made me go blind. Mm -hmm. But because of that. I knew it was happening to my husband, and when I called the EMTs or I called nine one one, they get there, and because of how he was presenting, they were convinced it was an overdose, and they wouldn't give him Epi because they're like, if we give him uh, Epi, we can't give him Narcan, which I actually found out to be false anyway. Um, thank God he ended up vomiting and could like partially clear his airway, but like they weren't giving him anything, and I was about to strangle the seven EMTs packed in my tiny bathroom.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's wild. I, and, you know, um, recently this is, oh, this is that story I was going to tell you when my wife almost took me oh, yeah. out. Yeah. So we always use this gluten-free uh, mix for like flour and stuff like that. And the, we went shopping and they didn't have the one that we get, but the same company had a different style. I'm like, oh, we'll just grab that one. Boom. So um, my wife bakes some cookies that night, and they don't rise properly. Cooking with gluten is like a, it's like a ancient Chinese secret or some shit like that. It's not just something that you can cook like you normally do. You got to kind of master it. Cookies don't rise, and they cover the whole baking sheet. It looks kind of like brittle. Okay. So, I took an edible like an hour before that. So now I'm high. I was playing games or something like that. Sun's asleep, and I come out and I was like, munchy time, and I see these delicious tray of cookies here. And my wife's like, Yeah, they're they, I mean they taste really good, but she's like, they just didn't rise. And I was like, Oh, I'm gonna eat it. So I eat like a spatula width L out of the cookie sheet. I'm slamming them. And I'm like, babe, why is my throat itchy? And she's like, I don't know.
0: Biggest fears when that
2: happens.
1: Yeah. So I was like, uh, I checked the flour. Buttermilk is like the fourth ingredient. And so, for for those that don't know, the ingredients list most concentrated is at the top, least concentrated is at the bottom. Yep. So, if it was towards the bottom, you know, I'd probably still feel something. Probably have to take some, you know, Benadryl or something like that. But, fourth ingredient, I was like, oh shit. Yeah.
0: This
1: is bad.
2: This is bad. uh,
1: Like, it's starting, and I know it is because it's starting to get real bad. And then it starts kind of swelling. So, my wife was like, How much did you eat? And I was like, A lot. A lot. <laughs> so she goes and gets the, um, we don't have Benadryl. We use, um, when we do give our son medicine, we give him a, from a company called Genexa. Yep. Um, it's a cleaner medicine. It's still yep. medicine, but it's it's cleaner, right? So it's it's Benadryl, but from that company, basically. Okay. So it's still has the antihistamine and um, I think dipohydramine to it in it. But I take, a lot of that. Like probably too much. But now my lips are swelling and my face is starting to swell. So all that's going on. My wife has because we have two EpiPens in the house, yeah. has an EpiPen. My son's sleeping. She's like, Do I need to go to the hospital? Because if that means I gotta get him up right now, I gotta get him in the car seat, we're gonna go. And I'm like, I don't know, just let me chill for a second. Now I'm also high. Okay. And I'm starting to panic because in my head, never been high before, and when you worry about something, it amplifies the worry. It's the only time I ever worry about anything is when I'm high. Also, when I'm dying. So that's all being amplified, and in my head, I'm like, I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to see my kid grow up. I'm not going to. I'm going to die tonight. This is how I'm going to go out." Yeah. And then I take the medicine. And I'm starting to feel okay. And then I have to keep reminding myself, I'm going into a very mild anaphylactic shock, but I can still breathe. So I have to remind myself that my breathing is not constricted. So um, it kind of relaxes. I sleep like upright on the couch that night and my wife kept checking on me. Um, the next day I was better. Face swelling is almost gone, but my throat's really sore. Yeah. Really, really sore. Um, so I think with time, I've been able to curb a lot of my allergens. Um, I think probably through our environment, right. Um, also exposure to those things because it used to be, I couldn't even touch it. And then I just, I just ate like an L shaped spatula with buttermilk cookie. Motivated by marijuana. (laughs) (laughs) And I started to go into an allergic reaction for sure. Yeah. Um. Now, if I would have done that as a child, I probably would have died. Yeah. So maybe a combination of all those things that um, I don't know if I'll ever be able to drink a glass of cow's milk ever. Um. But I've gone my whole life without it. So I don't really desire it. Yeah. Anyway, Um and we've been we've been uh, the best we could we've been exposing our son to a lot of things slowly um and then of course my wife tried to eat as much as she could that we knew i was allergic to um and thus far he hasn't had any signs of anything um i'm i'm st- i'm still hesitant uh about dairy Especially because he's not really talking yet. I want him to tell me, "Hey, Dad, my throat feels weird" yeah. or something, you know. Because yeah. if he starts crying, we just we just assume, "Oh, is it your teeth? Is it your molars? You know, what's going on?" Um. But, and, and um, I think that kind of gave us a little bit more strength too, as far as maybe he won't develop any allergies thus far until he's exposed exposed to more chemicals around him because we didn't put any in him in the first yeah. place. And I I'd be interested to see like any kind of double blind studies versus um, a group of kids that are not vaccinated and their rate of allergies, autism, asthma, and then a group of children who have been vaccinated and what is their rate? There was
0: one doctor who (coughs) in his practice, he looked at that of comorbidities and comorbidities in kids who have been vaccinated versus not. Um, And to my knowledge, and, and I could be wrong, so don't quote me on this, but there's only that's the only paper that's ever been published on it. And he got a lot of um, flack for it and said that he made it up and things like that. And if you ask people, like if you would have asked me before I did my 180, mm-hmm. well, and you're like, well, Elizabeth, why can't we do that type of study? That, that seems like a really good study to figure out if these vaccines are really effective. My answer to you would have been uh it's unethical to not vaccinate a child. Right. And that is what pharma says. So uh I, I don't agree with that uh anymore but I did at one point. Mm-hmm. Um so that's the answer. You would have yeah. to, so the reason this doctor was able to is he had such a large practice. He was able to uh look at data and the only thing he uh changed was you know, vaccinated versus non and measure yeah. things like asthma and allergies and um, things yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, right. Well, I mean, we. It, that's, it, it doesn't surprise me if anybody doesn't know about the VARS court. I mean, the fact that that even yeah. exists should be a red flag for a lot of people. Um, but and, and, and again, I'm not telling you to not vaccinate your kid. It's your kid, right? Do whatever you think is best for your kid. I don't think you should. And that's based on things that I've researched, but don't take my word for it you got to right. do your own research and and look at all the options available. And uh, I mean you know now the government's coming out and saying that what 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 was that report that 13% of households that used gas stoves had children with asthma, so let's ban gas stoves. I'm like, "Wait, what about the 86% or 87% of homes that had gas stoves that kids didn't have asthma, but right. they had something else going on or they right. did have asthma?" Or or whatever it was. Like could it have been the vaccines and the antibiotics and the shitty food?
0: Or the Febreze mm-hmm. and the toxic air fresheners that we use?
1: Right. Right. Could it could it be the uh, the um Gardasil shot? Could it maybe be that? Could it be uh um, you know, whatever else, like the, the talcum powder and in, in all yeah, whatever shitty you water, know? shitty
0: air, the tide detergents that we're sleeping on in our clothes and that we're wearing like I don't know like all of these different things yeah
1: yeah it's it's an interesting time to be alive for sure um you know hopefully some people gain some stuff tonight with all my wild stories of kind of an interesting childhood that I had
0: yeah it uh we definitely all have our speed bumps and that's the whole reason I started this show is if we can learn from each other as adults or even you know parents who have kiddos and you know they learn something. Um anytime the topic of vaccines come up comes up, I have to plug just the inserts on Instagram or just the inserts.com. I'm not affiliated with her in any way, shape, or form, but hers is the account that did my 180 view. And it's just inserts from medications or data from the FDA and CDC. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, hey, did you know that this is a possibility? Hey, right. did you know that this is a possibility? Um, right. And it really opened my eyes because it was in a yeah. completely non-judgmental, non-confrontational way. And I didn't know the things that she was saying. I had yeah. never heard of them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, one interesting thing I want to bring up, too, is... Um, and this is, you know, again, more, a little bit more back to the diet, but it, it goes along the lines of research uh, of the inserts, right. That you were, were, were looking at when you made yeah. your 180 is the fact that a lot of people, a lot of people that aren't, are, aren't aware or, or don't even read ingredients. Right. Yep. They tell you what's in it. Yeah. Right? In most kids' cereals, right. Big name store brand. um, They have trisodium phosphate in it. And almost all of them. It's TSP. If you don't know what TSP is, it's an industrial cleaner. You can buy it at Home Depot. It's listed in the ingredients. They say, oh, that's what we clean the belts with. There was a whole article done on this. Um, well, if you're cleaning it with, so you're cleaning the belts with so much of that, that when they do the test on it, they have to list it as an ingredient. Yeah. That should bother you. You know, a like, I mean, look what just happened in Ohio. You know, all these train derailments and poisoning the waters and the skies and all these things. And the EPA will come out and like, well, it's not within the uh, recommended exposure rate. Like the exposure rate should be zero. Right. Humans should not be exposed to these things. Right. You know, um, because again, everyone's different. What if my little tiny itty bit of exposure of dairy kills me? Right. Right. But this... A little bit more exposure doesn't hurt this person now, but in five years, they've got lung cancer, they've got leukemia, they've got right. a blood disease, they've got something else going on, you know?
0: Well, in going back to food allergies for a second, um, I know someone that had a dairy allergy, and in some adhesives, there can actually be dairy or lactose, and he reacted to it. Yeah, so, caseinate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whether... It's your soaps. If you or your kiddo has an allergy, it's not just, hey, read the ingredients on your food. It's if you're going to get a prescription or even an over-the-counter medication, if you're going to get a, any type of something injected into you, if you're going to put something on your skin, if it's going to come in contact with you at all, you mm-hmm. have to read all of the ingredients. And if you're ordering stuff from a company that doesn't list the ingredients, on the product, don't do it. Mm-hmm. And just into your point about the flower, just because it was safe this week, you have to read it every time because companies reformulate their products and they don't have to tell you.
2: Correct.
1: That's correct. So, well,
0: that little soapbox moment, I apologize, but that was great. I really appreciate this conversation. Um, Absolutely. Can you please plug for everyone where they can find you? And it'll also be in the show notes.
1: Yeah. Um, So the Whiskey, Beer, and Conspiracy Podcasts, we're on pretty much all podcasting platforms. Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, uh, Google, iHeartRadio. The video platform is on Rockfin, R-O-K-F-I-N. We're on Rumble. We are on Twitch. We are on Odyssey. We are on BitChute. So... Pretty much anywhere you want to find us, um, you can. We do a show once a week, comes out every Friday. We do some in-between shows for some members-only sections. But, um, yeah, man, uh, thanks so much, Al, for having me on. This is this is great. Um, you know, we got a little bit conspiratorial, but it was kind of a nice change in pace for me to talk about that because um, maybe my exposure to all that as a child form, formed my brain into a tinfoil hat wearing it. Right?
0: So, <laughs> Listen, I love that these people who listen to your podcast, right, you could li- send your listeners to listen to this episode, and then they get to know you as a host just a little bit more. Yeah. Because you, you gave a little bit of that background, and you shared a piece of you. So I appreciate that, and thank you again for coming on.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. We'll do it again. Yeah,
0: and thank you all for listening, and I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful night.